Welcome to This is the Author, where authors talk about narrating their audiobooks. In this episode, meet Michael Pollan, Judith Warner, and Connor Knighton. These three authors use their audiobooks to take listeners on various journeys of discovery. Discovery about the food we eat, about how adolescence shapes adulthood and how we parent, and discovery about national parks throughout the country. And while all of these authors are avid audiobook listeners themselves, Discover which one says that being able to record their own audiobook was just as thrilling as getting their first book published. Enjoy. Hello, this is Michael Pollan, author of Food Rules and Eater's Manual. This book was inspired actually by doctors. I had written a couple books about food and specifically a book called In Defense of Food, which looked at the whole question of what do we know about the links between diet and health. And that included a few of these rules at the back. There was kind of an appendix of food rules. And they kept saying to me, you know, this would be really useful on a poster. If we can make a poster and put it in our waiting rooms with your food rules, that would really help our patients. Doctors are very frustrated because they don't really have time to get into nutrition with their patients, but they fully understand that bad eating is essentially what they're treating, especially with regard to the chronic diseases that kill most of us these days. So I actually asked my publisher, Penguin Press, could we do a poster of food rules and do like a dozen of them? And they were like, we don't know how to do a poster, but we could do a little book that would reach a lot of people, and that's what we ended up doing. So it was really an attempt to do something very practical for the kind of person who wants to eat well but isn't going to read a whole long book of nutrition science, and God forbid anyone would want to do that, but wanted the bottom line on how to eat well if you're concerned about your health. So what is it like to record the audiobook? Well, you know, the way you write and the way you speak are closely related, and I strive to have a conversational style in my writing, but invariably when you sit down to read it, you realize that there's certain things that only happen in writing, such as IE or, you know, those little Latin things or et cetera. People actually never say those things. So you have to make those changes. Parentheses, parenthetical phrases don't work very well in audiobooks unless they're really short. Footnotes are almost impossible to do well in an audiobook. So you're looking to create a somewhat more casual reading experience or listening experience, and that takes a little bit of adjustment. But basically, this is the book, Unabridged, with the exception of a couple little tweaks to make it not sound stiff. There are always words you realize that you don't know how to pronounce that you use all the time. And in this book, there are a handful of technical words. Since I was kind of making fun of the ingredients lists on packages and suggesting people avoid foods containing ingredients they can't pronounce, ironically, I couldn't pronounce all of them. Oligosaccharides, diglycerides, xanthan gum, you know, all these kind of terms that you see on a, on a package of Twinkies or cereal. I had to look up and figure out how to pronounce. And then there was a little bit of French, a little bit of Japanese. Although I took French in school, I don't have a lot of confidence that my pronunciation is so great. I like reading audiobooks. I think it's a great form. I listen to them. I take in a lot of information by audio. I don't find the process onerous. There was a time when I think the conventional wisdom was that actors should read all the audiobooks. And my first few books were done by 
actors. And when I listened to my first-person prose that I'd written, read by someone else, it never felt right. And apparently it didn't feel right to my readers, too. They would write in and say, hey, that's not you, and complain. And not that the actor did a bad job, but it was like, this is first-person. It should be in your voice. And I strongly agree and have insisted on reading all my audiobooks since that point. And it's a really interesting part of the process. Typically, you read them you know, before the book has been published, after you've gone through editing, but it's usually early enough in the process that if you hear a mistake or if a sentence you realize is just hopelessly long or you're using a $10 word where a 50-cent word would do, you can still change it. And I do that. That's my final run-through of a manuscript, and I make some very important but small changes. It's a little late in the process, but typically you can get those changes in the book. You know, it's funny, I teach writing, and I advise my students always to read your stuff aloud. You will hear mistakes that you will never see because writing is essentially an oral phenomenon, and we hear what we're reading, even if we don't read aloud or move our lips. Good prose has that orality about it, but we get lost sometimes, and we move into a much more stiff or formal kind of diction. So reading your stuff aloud is a wonderful reminder that finally this is storytelling. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks, I would say, is walking. I spend a lot of time walking in the hills around Berkeley, and if I'm alone, I usually have an audiobook or a podcast on my phone, and there's something about listening to good prose and storytelling while you're walking that just is very, very agreeable. The last audiobook I listened to, actually that I'm still listening to, in fact, I just started, is Trevor Noah's Born a Crime. He's a wonderful reader, and it's a terrific experience to listen to on audiobook. And now listen to a clip from the audiobook. Rule number one, eat food. These days, this is easier said than done, especially when 17,000 new products show up in the supermarket each year, all vying for your food dollar. But most of these items don't deserve to be called food. I call them edible food-like substances. They're highly processed concoctions designed by food scientists consisting mostly of ingredients derived from corn and soy that no normal person keeps in the pantry. And they contain chemical additives with which the human body has not been long acquainted. Today, much of the challenge of eating well comes down to choosing real food and avoiding these industrial novelties. This is Judith Warner. I wrote my book because I found it so hard to be a middle school parent. I found it incredibly, incredibly painful. And I knew that there had to be more going on within me than met the eye. Something was getting triggered. And I had the feeling that whatever was getting triggered in me was also getting triggered in the parents around me. And I found myself wondering, who were the 12-year-olds walking around inside these 40 and 50-somethings? And I wanted to find out what lived on in us from our own middle school experiences and how our memories, the lessons we learned, the stories of ourselves that we carried forward impacted us in the present day and in particular affected our behavior as parents. 
If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be fun. Because I love audiobooks. I have loved them for as long as I actually had a car, which goes back to the early 90s. And my husband and I would listen to the kind of books that we never would actually read. You know, books like mysteries and whodunits and spy novels and stuff. And we would get so into them that I remember once the very end driving in circles just to keep the book from ending. We didn't want to get out of the car. And I have so many happy memories around audiobooks from time with my daughters, especially Harry Potter, for example, on summer vacations. So the idea of being able to record my own book had the same thrill for me as when I first published a book in the first place because I had always loved books so much. So it was fun. I'm proud that I was able to make the recording experience not too difficult and miserable for the people who were helping me. And I'm particularly excited for listeners to hear the conclusion, which is my favorite part of the book. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast Anne Hathaway for the utterly middle schoolerish reason that I think she's so pretty. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye. I feel like it almost goes without saying that it was amazing, and that's why Toni Morrison was an incredible, incredible writer, both because of her ability to use language in such a beautiful and captivating way, but also because she had the ability to make you see things that you never saw before and understand things in a way you never did before and enter into the lives of people entirely different from you and remote from you in a way that made them incredibly real and changed you along the way. My favorite place to listen to audiobooks was always in the car, though more recently, my favorite way of listening became while walking in my neighborhood, usually to and from the place where I write. I started listening to Henry James, an author whom I had never liked when I had had to read him for school. I had always found him incredibly boring. But for some reason, listening to him, I absolutely loved him. And so basically, over the course of the past, I don't know, six months or so, I've been just working my way through one novel after the other of his. My great, great frustration of late, where I've had a a broken ankle, has been that I can't do these long walks, and so I can't combine them with listening to Henry James. And listening in the house is just not the same experience, so I can't wait to start that up again. And now listen to a clip from the audiobook. The awfulness of the middle school years. Ages 11 to 14 for kids these days, 12 to 14 or 15 for adults if they're old enough to have attended what in previous generations was 7th to ninth grade junior high, is a given in our country. Suffering through is almost a rite of passage. 
a modern American initiation ritual, marking the transition from a life mostly lived in the warm bubble of home to one that's spent in the colder, sometimes cruel, and always competitive company of peers. Scratch the surface with most people and you'll get a well-remembered anecdote. Its details fresh and its telling almost automatic, the way stories told over and over again in the mind often are, particularly when they contain a form of trauma, which for a great many people, middle school truly is. Hi, this is Connor Knighton, author of Leave Only Footprints, My Acadia to Zion Journey Through Every National Park. I wrote this book about a year-long trip I'd taken to every national park in the country. The year before, I had been engaged, and then suddenly I wasn't. And at the time, my friends suggested that I might benefit from a change of scenery. And ultimately, I ended up taking their advice a little too literally. Every national park in the country is, I don't think, what they had in mind. As I was going to all the parks throughout that year, I wasn't necessarily thinking it would end up as a book. But very quickly, I started to learn that America the Beautiful was also America the Interesting. I'd known they would be pretty places. I just wasn't prepared for how fascinating they would be. And I thought that that could sustain itself through a book. If I had to describe what it was like to record my audiobook in one word, that word would be humbling. I'll admit I came into this kind of cocky. This is what I do, right? I've been in voiceover booths a lot for my work on CBS Sunday Morning. But before lunch on the first day, I learned that there is something very different about recording a four-minute television segment than a many-hour audiobook. Some of that's a physical challenge, just you know, mouth movement and hydration and fatigue of sitting in the same place. And then there's a mental challenge as well, staying focused, trying to make it a fresh read even after doing a a few different takes. So I'm very glad to have done it, but it was a much more difficult experience than I expected, and it ended up being a ton of fun. I realized while recording this book, there were all sorts of words that I have written many times, words that I, I know what they mean, that I apparently did not know how to pronounce. Some of those are place names, you know, mountains and rivers and certain Alaskan towns. But for all my life, and this is not a word that comes up that frequently in my defense, I've been saying ornithologist, and I just learned it's ornithologist. So there were many moments like that. So I will be a better public speaker as a result of this audiobook. I'm grateful for the instruction. I'm really excited that I was able to read this book. You know, when you're writing it, you never quite know how sarcasm or emotion is going to be perceived by the reader. And in this case, you have complete say over it. You know, I'm able to deliver the words in the way that I intended them to be read, or in this case, listened to, and I feel really grateful to have had that chance. If I wasn't going to record my audiobook, I would cast, I think, Charles Osgood. Charles Osgood is the former host of Sunday Morning. Uh, You might also know him from some of his radio broadcasts. And I just remember... That's when that job felt real to me. When I heard him say my name for the first time, it gave me chills. And really, it never got old. Every time, you know, he'd introduce one of my segments, I would hear that from him. When I came back at one point during this year, I came for his retirement, actually, in in October of the year I spent going to the parks. And he saw me in a suit. And he was like, oh, you do own a suit. Because for the entire year, I'd been in, like, cargo pants and hiking shirts. But he's got a great voice, and I just have that connection to him. The last audiobook that I listened to that I loved was Sourdough 
by Robin Sloan. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, most of them nonfiction, but Sourdough was one of the rare fiction books I'd listened to. And Robin Sloan, who's actually a friend of mine and a great public speaker, and I was kind of surprised that he wasn't going to narrate his own audiobook. And then very quickly I realized why. The protagonist in Sourdough is a female, and it really helped you get into the book hearing it from a female narrator's perspective. She did a great job, and it's just a really fun story about a loaf of sourdough bread that becomes sentient. I listen to a lot of audiobooks while I'm driving. I am on the road a lot for work and in my personal life, and a five-hour drive across Kansas passes much more quickly when you've got a book to keep you company. I buy a number of them. I also use Libby and check out several from the library, and it's been great. It's really helped open my ears as a listener to all sorts of different types of books that I might not check out otherwise. And now listen to a clip from the audiobook. Yellowstone was the world's first national park. The first sentence on the park's website makes sure you are aware of that bit of trivia. To be first is to be remembered. Every journalist wants to be the first to publish a story. Every company wants to be the first to market with their product. Every kid in my first grade class in West Virginia knew local hero Chuck Yeager was the first pilot to break the sound barrier. Who was the second? They didn't teach that in school. But first does not always mean best. Although, in Yellowstone's case, it just might. Still, a first kiss, a first love, a first date, these are the moments that we memorialize, even if they end up not being all that great. First equals special. This is the Author is a production of Penguin Random House Audio. Thank you for listening. For more behind-the-mic content and audiobook recommendations, visit www.penguinrandomhouseaudio.com slash next listen.